Hey everyone, it's Pastor Micah, lead pastor here at High Praise Crestview. I want to say thank you for choosing to listen to today's podcast. I want to encourage you to subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening from today and go connect with us on social media as well. My prayer is that as you listen to this message, you're encouraged, blessed, and transformed by the power of the Word of God. Now open your heart and get ready to receive what God wants to speak to you today. Never let it it become commonplace what you get to receive of on a week, week in and week out basis. Don't ever let it become commonplace, meaning this. Don't get so accustomed and adjusted to it that you lose that honor and reverence for what happens in the room here at High Praise. Because I'll be honest with you, I've been in churches, I've traveled in churches, and not everybody has what we have. And I don't mean that arrogantly, I don't mean that pridefully, please understand the heart that I'm coming from, but there's something special about what God is doing in this place. God has brought people together that can truly worship in spirit and in truth, not put on a performance so I can be seen. There's a big difference between the two. And we have excellence on our worship team, but we also have people that are anointed to play skillfully. Let me just say this while we're here. Um, The anointing in worship can break yokes of bondage off of your life. We see that in the scripture where David goes to Saul and plays skillfully upon the harp and anointed upon the harp and sets Saul free through the worship that's going on through what David is doing. Don't tell me that in the middle of a moment of us just prophetically worshiping that God can't begin to move and break things off of your life. If you don't believe that he can break things off of your life, off your family's life, off your kids' lives, in those moments, you are doubting and you are limiting the power of God. And let it not be said of this church that we ever limit what God can do because our mind can't comprehend it. Listen, he wants to do greater than you can even dare think or imagine according to the power that is at work within you is what the scripture says. So as for this church, we'll be a church that breaks the limits off and believes for the crazy and sees God take place. Amen? Amen. I want you to open up your Bibles this morning to 1 Samuel chapter 17. We're starting a new series, and if you want a title for your series, you're going to title it this, Defeating Giants. We're going to talk about this for the next three weeks, and this is not going to be your typical David and Goliath message. This is not going to be, I mean, I may get a little bit excited a couple times, okay? That just happens, but this is not going to be your normal David and Goliath overcoming victory uh, message one-off, because a lot of times when we start talking about defeating giants, we just go zero to 60 in 2.87. And what I want to do is I want to slow this down. I want to really look at this story, and we're going to uh, cross-reference with another story here in just a minute. But um, we're going to read this scripture real quickly. Uh, Actually, you can take the scripture down. I want to give you a story first. Before we even get into this, I want to give a personal story. Can I give a personal story real quick? Um, In 2012, Pastor Chelsea and I, we got married in April of 2012, and uh, we were in our, obviously our first year of marriage there. And toward, I think it was just a few months after we got married. It was three months after Pastor Chelsea and I got married. Um, we were asleep one night. And you understand, I didn't go to college. I didn't move out by myself. I didn't, I didn't move out until I married my beautiful wife. I think I, lived, I think I moved into our house like two weeks or a week before we actually got married. And so we were sleeping there. After we were married, we were sleeping there together, and it was three months after, and it was about, I think it was 3.30 a.m., 
338, they've been roasting me, okay? I gotta do this real quickly. They've been roasting me because I have a habit of saying 3 a.m. in the morning, 2 a.m. in the morning. Anybody else do that? Like 2 a.m. in the morning. It's either, they said it's either 2 a.m. or 2 in the morning. You pick. So I'm slowing down, okay? Uh, it was 3.30 in the morning, and uh, all of a sudden, there was this loud banging on our front door, and I'm talking about thunderous banging. I had never experienced anything like this in my life. Uh, we never had anybody attempt to break into our home as a child. Um, and I don't know if anybody else has ever had something like that, but it's very traumatizing in that moment. And so we had somebody that was banging on our door in the middle of the night, and I slept through it. <laughs> Pastor Chelsea sat up, woke me up, said, Micah, Micah, somebody's trying to break in. And I said, what? Okay. And I started freaking out, okay? And it... With my rec if my memory serves me correct, I told Pastor Chelsea, go to the closet and lock the door. And then I went to, our bedroom door was closed, and I opened up the bedroom door, and I, I peeked out to see. And sure enough, there's somebody banging on it. We had these glass window, uh, what are they called? Uh, the, the, the side lights, yes, thank you. And somebody's banging on the side lights with something and trying to get in. And I remember that moment, start praying in the Spirit, oh God. And then it's praying in the Spirit, but it's also, I'll never sleep here again. I will never sleep here again. I'll never sleep here again. I will never sleep here again. And... So we, I run back to the closet with Pastor Chelsea. We lock the bedroom door. We lock the, clo we lock the closet door because I was not prepared. I didn't have an ax ready. I, didn't ha I don't have a gun. I didn't have anything other than these fists, and they weren't much, okay? I would have lost. <laughs> so in that moment, it just all of a sudden stops. We're like, okay. We already called 911. And they took like 20 minutes to get to our house. We lived in kind of out in the woods a little bit. And so I remember us talking as soon as the person left. And I looked at Pastor Chelsea and I said, I will never sleep in this house again. I will not. We are going to move. We're going to sell our home. I cannot sleep here. I will not sleep here. It will not happen because anxiety was, had gripped me and I was shaking with fear. I mean, you know, it's the kind of anxiety where that adrenaline starts going and it's cold even though it's 99 degrees outside, but you're still like, oh my gosh, what is going on? Yeah, that's what was happening. We're sitting there talking to the police officer and I'm sitting here telling the police officer, I'll never sleep here again. I will never sleep here again. And I keep, that comes out of my mouth. And in that moment, let me just say, let me show you something that happened in that moment. So from 2012 all the way to the same time the next year in 2013, we slept in our home, I don't know, maybe a dozen times, if even, maybe half. It was, about, it was about a year, wasn't it? It was about a full year we were going. I could not, we're newlyweds. It wasn't quite a full, it was about nine months or so, six to nine, it was somewhere in the six to nine month window. We're newlyweds. We should be at home, in our home, in our bed at night, being married. <laughs> but fear gripped me in that moment. And it became a giant in my life. And so it gripped me all the way to one, and we, we were going to my parents' house. We were going out of town constantly. Whatever I could do to get out of sleeping in my own bed and at my house where I should be, where should be a safe place and peaceful place for us. So that took place for six to nine months and until one night I remember... And listen, we had, we had done everything. Like, people are like, well, did you pray? Well, no. 
darn, I forgot. Like, well, when we had people come over to our house, anoint our home, anoint me, all the things you think, I had, I, I printed out scriptures. It was, scripture was under my mattress. Scripture was under the, 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 the mat on the front door. Scripture was everywhere on our fridge. Scripture was on our mirrors. We could not go anywhere without having Psalm 91 looking us dead in the face or me sleeping on Psalm 91, okay? And that's, that, that's the God honest truth. We did everything that we knew we should do. And it was one, one moment, one night, where Pastor Chelsea had enough. She was ready to say, okay, fine. You want to sleep in our house? Then I'm leaving you. Goodbye. That's where we were at. Pastor Chelsea said, no, we're going to face this thing, and you're going to sleep in our home, and we're going to sleep here tonight. When we decided we were going to do that, and I begrudgingly agreed <laughs> because I did not want her to leave me, Fear gripped me in a way that I'd never been gripped before. Literally, I've seen Little Mermaid where she's, ah, 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 ah. Yeah, she goes up and then all of a sudden her voice is gone. That happened, okay? I literally could not speak, could not utter a single word. Pastor Chelsea told me, it's, I don't know, it was probably 11 o'clock at night, close to midnight time. Just tell me, just say something. Just say so, anything you can say. Say something. We, she's got, um, she called my parents, also pastors, said, hey, this is going on. I, we, I don't know what to do. I mean, this, and they said, okay, we're coming over right now. We're going to pray. So they got in their car. They came over, called people that had been taking us through counseling, marriage counseling, called them, family to us, Pastor Paul and Eva McGoey. Pastor Paul and Eva on the phone saying, okay, Micah, pray. We're going to pray. And they're praying for me over the phone. They're both going to war in the spirit. And they said, can you, I remember Pastor Eva saying, Micah, just say Jesus. I need you to just say Jesus. If you can utter anything else, just, just say Jesus. Just say Jesus. And I remember in the moment, it felt like I could not break through or break free. And in a moment, I said Jesus. And I can tell you, there was freedom that took place in our house that night. We slept in our house that night. But not only that, I, we didn't leave again. And since then, I've not, I have not battled with fear like that in any sort, sort of way. I give that... Amen. And that's an incredible testimony, incredible thing that God did. But I give that story as a setup for the rest of this series for you. And the reason being is because I think that often we think defeating our giants takes place like this. Well, did you pray? Anybody ever asked you, I'm just going to be honest, anybody asked you that dumb question before? Oh, did you pray about it? Yeah, I prayed. And I prayed again. <laughs> and I prayed for nine months. <laughs> And I still didn't see it take place. It doesn't always happen the way we want to, but I want to encourage you through the series that whatever your giant is that you're facing, it may take time, but you will overcome. You will overcome. And I want you to take heart in that in this series. But, you know, I believe all of us, we have different giants in our life. And um, I think often we misrecognize our giants. And I'll show you what I mean by that in just a few moments. Let's, are you in 1 Samuel 17? 1 Samuel 17. And that's really what the, 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 the heart of this message is. It's defeating giants. The subtitle for this message today is you better recognize. Look at somebody say, you better recognize. That's the subtitle for 
today's sermon. Are you in 1 Samuel 17? If you're not, we have it on the screens today. Bless God. It says this, a champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp, he, whose weight was six cubits and a span. And he had bronze helmet on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. And he had bronze armor on his legs and a bronze javelin between his shoulders. Now the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam and his iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels and a shield bearer went before him. In other words, he had to have somebody carry his stuff because his stuff was so large. Keep going. Then he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them, why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and you the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let them come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. And if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. Stop right there. Now, I believe many of us have read this story numerous times and been really empowered by, hey, I can overcome my giant, I can overcome my Goliath, and that is a great thing. And in this story, a young shepherd boy, a little guy, the first door dasher, he, he, the first ever Uber Eats driver, he went and was going to his brothers to get, deliver some food, and he ends up coming up on this situation, and it does not look good for David. We got... We got five foot flat David versus 10 foot Goliath, maybe not even five foot. I don't know how tall David was, but he was not a, a large, a man of large stature, especially in comparison to Goliath. Everything in the natural looked like it was against David in this moment. And I think in, every, in all of our lives, we feel that way in some time or one way or another where we feel like we are overcome with what is facing us, that what we're facing is much larger than anything that we have within us. And these giants, listen, in our lives, they come in different sizes, they come in different types, they're very different for each one of us. Many of us have, understand the way I say this, unique giants to us because of things that have happened in our lives. Let me say this. Because something has happened in your life does not mean that the rest of your life has to be viewed through what happened in your life. If we believe that, the, that our life has to be filtered through what happened to us for all eternity, then we are limiting the power of God to set you free. And you really don't believe in freedom and deliverance. You believe what happened to you is stronger than what God can do through you. And I'm, I'm here to flip the script on you today and say what God can do through you is so much more powerful and so much greater than what happened to you. No matter who did it, no matter what, how it happened, no matter which way that it took place, whatever happened in your life that set up this giant in your life, listen, God's power is greater than that, okay? And let's, just, let's be honest, giants show up uninvited, right? Giants don't, like, wait for an invitation. Man, when, 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 when are you going to invite me over, says fear. No. When, doubt doesn't say, when are you going to invite me over to be in your life for a little bit? No, they just show up all of a sudden. And they do exactly what Goliath did. They come and they defy the armies of the living God by trying to get you to stay where you're at rather than move forward in your purpose. Okay? Now I want you to flip over to Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13. We're going to look at another story about giants. I'm going to read this from the NIV I have on my iPad, but we have the NKJV up there for you if you kind of want to follow along. It says this, there they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. Now let me give you backstory. 
Backstory here is Moses and the children of Israel are going forward to possess their, their Canaan to the promised land and they get close to it and they send, Moses says, I'm going to send 12 spies in. And the 12 spies go in, they check out the land and they, based on the scripture, they even stole a little bit of fruit and brought it back, okay? So they bring this back and then they start saying this. So they gave him the fruit of the land, verse 27. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. Stop and think about that just for a second. They went to the land. They were actually, that means that they had to step foot onto the land which God had already promised for them. They already stepped foot into their freedom. They had already stepped foot into their promise and they even took a little piece of fruit with them and brought it back to Moses. But even in the midst of them holding a piece of the peace that God had for them, this is still the account that they gave. Listen to this. But the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. And the Amalekites live, and it goes on to talks about all the ites of Canaan. And it says in verse 30, then Caleb silenced the people before Moses because he was one of the spies and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we certainly can do it because, because, because Joshua and Caleb, they understood we have a piece of the peace that God has for us. It's right here. And the reason I feel this so strongly right now is because I can stand in Joshua and Caleb's spot whenever the person was trying to break in, but nothing happened. I had a piece of my peace right there. And I chose the other decision to say there's giants in the land though. And many of us, that's what we do when things happen in our life. We have a piece of the peace. Well, nothing. Did I die? No. This took place, but, but did it alter all of your existence? No. You still have a piece of your peace, a piece of the fruit, but you're choosing to believe, but there's giants in the land. And you need a Caleb in this moment to stand up and say, hey, we need to move forward and we need to possess the promised land. We need to take down the giants because that's what, that's what Caleb is saying here. Because in him saying, hey, we need to take possession of the land, he's actually saying, hey, listen, we can beat up some giants. It ain't no big thing, okay? Verse 31, but the men who had gone up with him, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. <laughs> And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there were of great size. We saw the Nephilim there, which were the descendants of Anak, come from Nephilim. And we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked to them the same. They felt like nothing. And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand in this room, but I think there's probably in this people in this room that whenever you look at what you're going through right now, whether it's in your finances, in your family, in the area of sleep, in the area of fear, you probably feel like a grasshopper at times. You kind of feel like nothing. You feel like this thing that's, maybe it's in the area of your health. You kind of feel like this thing's got a stranglehold on you and it's just overpowering you. And I'm... I, I want to just talk about that just a little bit this, this morning, but here the giants are much different 
than what, what David was facing, but still they were an obstacle. I think in our personal life, every time we turn around, we could probably begin to identify some different giants in our life, whether it's giants at school for maybe some youth in here, young adults, giants at home in our marriage, giants on the computer for, for many of you, giants in our sphere of friends and influences. There's giants in our hearts, giants in our minds. We look around and we can see giants in the culture that we live in. But let me just say this real quickly. We cannot overcome the giants of culture until we overcome the giants in our own hearts. The church is very loud about wanting to overcome all the giants of culture that are going on when we ourselves don't even know how to overcome giants that are happening in our day-to-day lives. And that many of us are falling prey to the same giants. They just look a little different. Well, I come against the spirit of sexual perversion. Well, then stop being addicted to pornography. I come against the spirit of sexual perversion and all these things. Well, stop having affairs. Huh? We have to overcome these giants in our own hearts. So when we look at this, though, David, the odds are stacked up against him. and They didn't look good. In fact, the situation looked very bad. I want you to write this down. A problem always is bigger when you let that problem convince you of how bad it is. A problem always is bigger when you let it convince you of how bad it is. Oftentimes, that is us, where we allow Goliath to stand out there for 40 days and for 40 nights, defying the armies of the living God, talking up his big game, letting us know how bad he is, and all these different things. Listen to me. And that's what Goliath did. He just let people know, this is what I do. I'm going to beat everybody. I've never been beat before. I've crushed armies with, my single ha- with a single hand. He's like Thanos, just snaps, right? Like, that's what Goliath is basically presenting himself as, as the OG Thanos. And he said, I can, I can get rid of complete and total civilizations because I'm so strong. 2 Corinthians 2 tells us not to be ignorant of the schemes of the enemy or the devices of the enemy. And that's what I want to do mainly this morning is I want to let you know the goal of your Goliath. I want to let you know the goal of your Goliath. I got three points in this, so y'all just stay with me. Number one is this. Goliath wants to defeat you before you even battle. Goliath, your Goliath, your giant in your life wants to defeat you before you even step foot onto the battlefield. That's why do you think Goliath is out there being prideful, talking a big game? It's because he's trying to strike fear into the camp of the Israelites. And guess what? He was successful. He did just that. Because it says whenever David came upon the army and he began to um, talk to them about what was going on, his brothers... uh, He's been talking to his brothers about what's going on. He actually talks about how they were fearful, and that's why they wouldn't go out and battle Goliath. The Israelite army was defeated before the battle was even fought. Do not allow the giants in your life to intimidate you before you even will step up to the plate and battle. You know, you've got to remember that it's a fixed fight, and at the end of the day, you will overcome. Now, thanks be unto God who always causes us or always leads us into victory or to triumph. No matter what you're facing now, you will overcome if you continue to fight. Amen. We need to realize that greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. 
the spies that Moses sent in, you saw in the scripture, they were defeated as soon as they saw the giants in the land. Write this down. You will lose every battle you don't fight. I know that's simple, but it's true. You will lose every battle you do not fight. Well, you know, well, the Lord fights for me. Yeah, absolutely, he does fight for you. But it also talks about in Scripture how we're called to fight with him and not against him, but fight alongside him, that we go to war with him. That's why he's given you weapons of spiritual warfare. That's why he's given you an armor to wear to go out into battle. It's not so you can sit and go, oh, isn't it a pretty shiny armor? No, he, put, he gave it to you so you can actually put it on a fight. Amen. Number two, goal of your Goliath. Goliath wants to look bigger than the plans that God has for you or to appear unconquerable. He wants to look bigger than the plans that God has for you. He wants to appear unconquerable. Goliath is standing on the battlefield and yelling about how big and how strong he is. This is a posturing. You know what I'm talking about? I say posturing. He's trying to posture himself in such a way that makes him appear unconquerable. The giants of the land of Canaan were just, the, were, were just there, but, and they were big. Their posture was concerning to, where, uh, to, the, to the spies that went into the land, and so therefore, they would not go forward. Listen, the things you need to face are big, but you must realize God is bigger. The things that you need to face are big. I'm not going to lie, okay? I think sometimes we like to say, you know, like, oh, it's not a big deal. You know, there, there are things in your life that are a big deal. And there are things in your life that you are going to have to fight and battle and war with. I would have loved nothing more than in one night after the whole thing took place for me to pray one time and boom, all of a sudden I was free of fear, no big deal, like nothing ever happened. That's not always the way that it takes place. Do I believe that it can take place in that manner and in that way? Absolutely. I have seen it take, man, uh, take place in that manner. That's why I can believe it. And also we see it in Scripture that it's taken place in that manner. But however, it doesn't always happen that way. I want you to remember this, that the enemy is nothing more than a deceiver. And he uses shadows to appear larger than he is, though. Bible says he goes around like a, like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Listen, anytime the enemy is speaking, it is a lie. And if it's not of God, it's not for you. Anytime you hear something that is contrary to the word of God, it is a lie and it is not for you. Amen? Anytime you hear something that doesn't line up with the character and the nature of who God is, you need to shut it off, turn it down, and realize if it is not of God, if it is not good, it is not for you. But with God, nothing is unconquerable. His plans and promises are bigger than the giants in the land. His plans and his promises are bigger than any giants that stand in the way of you moving forward into your destiny. Number three is this. Your Goliath wants to keep you out of your promised land. Now, we like to talk about promised land, especially in the charismatic church, right? We love to talk about the promised land. That's whenever we start hooping and hollering because we think that it's abundance of wealth. We think that it's, it is health and wealth. And listen, I believe that God desires that you prosper even as your soul prospers. I believe all of those things. And, but what really is your promised land is your peace. 
What's really a promised land for you is your joy. What's really a promised land for you is your salvation. What's really a promised land for you is unity in your family. I mean, is health a promised land? I do. It's a promise of God, so yes, it's for me. Is living in the provision of the Lord a promised land? Well, absolutely. It's a biblical principle and promise, so absolutely, it's for me. But I want you to understand that the promised land is so much bigger than what we have made it sometimes. And we've made it this little thing, meaning, when I say little thing, we've made it just one small, like, it can only be this, but really the promised land is any promise that God has for you, he wants it to be yours. So God wants you to have good sleep. Did you know that? The scripture talks about it. The Bible talks about that he'll lay me down in perfect peace, and our sleep will be sweet. You want to know why I know the scriptures? Because I studied the mess out of them for nine months. God cares about that, but the enemy is always trying to stand in the way of you taking your peace, you taking your joy, you taking your family and having peace and unity in your family. He's always trying to bring some sort of division up, and that's really what Goliath is. It's a spirit of division. It comes to divide you from what God has for you, and division needs to come down. Amen? If the enemy can keep you from your promised land, then he can keep you in turmoil. And that's his goal, to keep you in a constant turmoil. Now, the first step to overcoming your giants is acknowledging that you have giants and what they are. I'm not going to go too much longer this morning. I really didn't want this to be a real long sermon because I want us... The, the end portion of this sermon is really meant to be something you reflect on for a little bit. So I really want you to think for the next few minutes as I'm speaking because, once again, I said we're not going to go 0 to 60 in 2.8 seconds in this series. I want you to recognize what that giant is. And I said this earlier, oftentimes we misrecognize giants. I'm going to show you what I mean. But first, I want to to give you this key real quickly. Oftentimes we think if I acknowledge giants, some, a problem in my life I'm empowering a problem in my life that is not true yes. acknowledgement is not empowerment acknowledgement is not empowerment so what are the giants in your life the reason there's a difference between acknowledgement and magnification acknowledgement can become empowerment if we let it be go into magnification and then even manifestation out of our mouth that's what happened in my own life I acknowledged fear then I magnified fear and then I manifested fear okay so the simple the simpleness of acknowledgement is not where the empowerment takes place so what are the giants in your life. We think acknowledging those is easy. It's really not. It's actually more challenging than you think, just the acknowledgement of it. But let me say this. Ignorance is not bliss. Ignorance keeps you stuck. We like to do this. We like to be like ostriches and our head in the sand. Well, if I don't, if, if you can't, if I don't see you, you can't see me. If I can't see you, you can't see me. If I can't see, that will lead to a life of being stuck right where you are. 
if you never actually stick your head up and look at the giant in the face and talk back to it when it's talking to you with the authority that Christ has put within you, it does not change anything. You know what? It just keeps standing there as a blockade and it's got you right where he wants you in a place that is stuck, not moving forward. In order to find a solution, this is actually psychology. I studied some of this as I was studying the sermon. In psychology, in order to find a solution, it helps to identify the root because of the problem instead of just the symptoms of the issue. That is what we do whenever we are identifying our giants, and that's why it's hard for us. We don't identify the giant properly. We identify the symptom as a giant. The symptom is not the giant. The giant is creating a symptom. So what we often do is we go, well, our marriage problem, the, the, our, you know, this, this, this separation in our marriage is the giant. No, the problem in your marriage is yourself not respecting your wife the way you should. That's your giant. Well, the problem, absolutely, vice versa is the same, the same too. The problem with your sleepless night is not so much, um, you know, the fact of that, that you didn't go to bed on time. The problem with your sleepless night is that you really don't trust who God is as your protector. And that's your giant. That's what you need to overcome in your own heart and in your own life. I want you to identify your giants. We cannot overcome what we don't identify and identify properly. You can't overcome what you don't acknowledge properly. In order to deal with the symptoms of the problem, we have to defeat the giant, which is the root of the problem. Think about this. The children of Israel, what did they deal with? Doubt, unbelief, the words of murmuring and complaining because of why? Giants. Go study the scripture again. The reason they didn't enter the promised land is because they saw giants and then as a root, as, as an outsource, because the Bible, the Bible says this about them. It says that the reason they didn't enter the promised land is because they doubted the Holy One of Israel. That's what the scripture says. It doesn't say because there were giants in the land. It says because they doubted the Holy One of Israel. We have to identify things properly and deal with them. So the words of murmuring and complaining was an outward symptom of a bigger problem. The outward expression of doubt, unbelief, and the words of murmuring and complaining were there but the root issue were the giants in the land that they were going towards. The acknowledge, they acknowledged the wrong thing, and this is what they did. They began to acknowledge Moses as the problem instead of the giant as the problem. Okay? They misidentified giants. And the giants were not the issue. Moses was the issue. And this is what they began to say in the next scripture in that story. Moses, it would have been better had you left us in Egypt as slaves 
and us die because then at least we had pots of meat to sit around and we had food to eat and at least we knew where our food was coming from and we weren't having to just walk around here and they begin to identify Moses as their problem the enemy wants you to wants to get you to misidentify the giant in your life and begin to see the person you're supposed to be paired with and the person you're supposed to be walking with as the problem and you begin to murmur and doubt and complain about this person when really the enemy staring at you staring at you laughing at you going i've got them exactly where i want them and that's what happens here they misidentified the giant they misidentified the source of their problem and moses now becomes the source of their problem rather than their doubt fear and unbelief of going into the promised land because of giants Your giant will always try to misdirect you and make you acknowledge the wrong problem. So this morning and this full next seven days, I want you to take, I don't do this often, I'm giving you homework. I want you this week to go home and really think about your life. Think about the, the things that you're facing right now and the things you're trying to overcome. What is the actual source of the giants? Where, where is the giant? The giant is not your, your anger issue. The giant is the fact that you never dealt with something that happened 10 years ago to you. And you didn't ever overcome that. You didn't forgive that person that did you wrong. And now because of that, every time something happens similar to that, you lash out in anger immediately because you never actually forgave. Forgiveness is your giant. You notice the outward expression often, but what is the root? What is the giant? This is another thing they do in psychology is this. In order to find what that is, whatever that source issue is, you've got to keep asking why. In church, we don't want to ask why, right? We've been taught that if we ask why, well, that's fear, doubt, and unbelief. If you ask why, what's the source? That Yeah, you're just doubting God. No, you need to find what that is. You need to ask the why. What is causing this? What is the root of this? Actually, says this. Another natural thing that you can do that I do believe is helpful is you can help. You can begin to journal about how you're feeling in those moments where you're where you're fighting what you feel is a Goliath, a giant. You can begin to write down what you're feeling in those moments. But then I'm gonna take it. That's the natural thing. And I'm gonna take it to the spirit. The spiritual thing to do along with that is pair that with prayer and being led by the Holy Spirit. Because he will lead and guide you into all truth. And he's going to lead and guide you into what that giant, that Goliath is for you that you need to really take care of, okay? You may see anger, but the root of the giant may be unforgiveness. You may see sleepless nights, but the root is that you left doors open to fear. And you left, and the Bible says, don't even give the devil a foothold. And there's various different ways. All of us have different ways that we might, that might open the door to fear, and you know what yours are, okay? And you need to be mindful of that. You may see dysfunction in your marriage, but the root of it is improper relationships outside of your marriage. I'm going to say it again. You may see dysfunction and problems in your marriage, but really the root of it is improper relationships outside of your marriage. You may see financial stress, but is the root lack of stewardship? We don't like it whenever we're the giant. We want it to be everybody else's fault. Whoa, 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 pastor. Don't be talking about lack of stewardship. Yeah, 
Is the financial stress that you're going through actually just poor lack of, and, and, and lack of stewardship and being compulsive or impulsive on your purchases or drive-through orders or whatever it may be? I know I'm getting into your business now, okay? What is, what is the source of that financial stress giant? Are you not being faithful in the area of tithes? That's biblical, by the way. Come back in a month. We'll talk about it. You're really not going to like me. You may see discontentment, but is the root envy and jealousy? Whenever you see that person driving the car that you really wanted, but you couldn't afford. I'm so discontent with my life and just frustrated. It sends you down this downward spiral. All because you're, you've got envy in your heart and jealousy towards your brother. Listen, we've got to overcome these things. And that's what I really want to give you today. I'm going to end with one more thought because we'll end on and up, okay? <laughs> but this is the reason I want you to acknowledge that giant this week and what it is. It's because next week we're going to come back and I'm a, we're going to talk about overcoming it because there is overcoming power and there's simple steps and ways to overcome. But what I want you to understand is you cannot overcome what you don't acknowledge. You can't just act like it's not there. You cannot overcome well, you don't acknowledge. David couldn't fight Goliath and win the battle without first doing what? Recognizing that there's a giant standing out there. The outward expression in the camp was fear. But it all came from a giant in the valley. So I want, you to, I want to encourage you as you acknowledge what that giant is and what the reason is that you're dealing with these things. And as you acknowledge it, I, it's all for this, to understand that I'm about to overcome it. David did not acknowledge it and go, hmm, yeah, giant, in valley, cool, going home now, y'all have fun. Matter of fact, when David comes into the camp, he begins to talk to his brothers. What's interesting here is his brothers even begin to lash out at him. I know there's envy in your heart, David, because of fear. They begin to lash out in other ways because of a giant once again in the land. But David says this. David says this. Oh, so good. He's talking to his brothers. And he's talking to Saul. And he says this. Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. I give you that last text to give you encouragement today that as you walk through this week and you begin to ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, Holy Spirit, illuminate to me what it is that I'm facing. What is the root of this issue, of this, these outward things that have been going on in my life? What is the root problem? What is the Goliath that is standing in my life defying the armies of the living God? What is it in my life that is trying to keep me separated from what you, the fullness of what you have for me? What is it that is keeping me separated from what you and, and the great future that you have for me. What is that thing? This is what I want you to understand and I want you to think on that whenever I find and I lock eyes with that thing and I acknowledge that giant, let no one let me not lose heart that I, because I am going out and I'm going to fight this giant and I'm going to overcome this giant because listen, once you recognize the giant is whenever you are in the right place for a great victory to take place and to happen in your life. It's not until you position yourself 
in the face of the giant and say, giant, you come against me with sword and spear, but I come against you in the name of the Lord God Almighty that you try to defy the armies of Israel, but now I acknowledge you. I see you. You better recognize. I recognize you, but you better recognize me that I've come to overcome every work of power of hell and darkness, and I will overcome. Will you give God a shout of praise in this place? Hallelujah. Acts 7, 46 says this. I won't give you the full scripture. I'm going to end this right here. Acts 7, 46 encourages us in this. It says that David was favored by God. Can I tell you that favor is always on the side of God's favor? And look at me and listen to my voice. You are favored of the Lord. If you believe in Jesus... You confess with your heart, He is Lord and Savior. You are favored because you are His child. Amen. We always say God doesn't play favorites, and I, I understand that. But I do believe that He favors people who will stand against a giant that's coming against their family. I believe that God does favor and empower you to overcome principalities and powers because he doesn't want to see those things in your life either <laughs> he gives you that favor he gives you that boldness he gives you that power he gives you that strength to overcome every power of darkness will you lift your hands to the Lord right where you're at today let's pray Father I thank you for your people now I thank you Lord that we are yours we make that declaration we boldly declare it. God we are yours today and Father we just thank you that you help us, you bring to remembrance this week, you lead and guide us in our prayer time. What is it? What is that giant? What is that Goliath that is standing in our way trying to defy and divide us from what you're calling us to go and what you're calling us to go into? What is that thing? And Lord, we ask that today, as you bring those things into our acknowledgement, into our recollection, into our remembrance, into our sight this week, Father, we thank you that we can look at the giant. We can look at our Goliath and recognize what it is and feel the empowerment of your spirit that gives us strength and gives us hope that we will overcome. Thanks be unto God who always causes us and leads us to triumph and into victory. And we thank you that your favor is upon us. So Lord, we recognize your power. We recognize your strength and we speak to our giant and we declare you better recognize the Holy Spirit is living and dwelling within me and I will overcome in Jesus' name. Will you give God one more hand clap of praise in this room? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm just saying.